Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. For everything for everything indie, for everything cults, it's the Blue Horseshoe now. Here's your host, George Bremer and Ryan Hickey. And welcome back into the latest Blue Horseshoe Podcast. Brian Hickey and George Bremer here with you, the second off-season pod of the year so far. And we got a lot to talk about here, George. We broke down a lot, if you missed it in our earlier pod that was released on Tuesday, we broke down a lot of Chris Ballard and Jeff Saturday's end-of-the-year press conferences, what we liked, what we didn't like, kind of try to glimmer any sort of hints and details of what the future uh, of this off-season could look like. And so now it's kind of put a really a bow on 2022. Now we start to look ahead to 2023. Obviously, that's starting the head coach. The Colts have requested and now started scheduling interviews to break down some of the candidates they will be interviewing, either already have done by the time we're doing this podcast on Thursday or are scheduled to interview over the next couple of days. We also, now that the, at least Black Monday's come and gone, we have five jobs that are open currently, maybe a few more open as well. So we'll discuss where the Colts rank in terms of attractiveness of at least the current five jobs that are open and how Wild card weekend, folks. If you weren't planning on watching as a Colts fan, I think you should because the head coaching um, decision could be impacted by what happens and what we see this weekend. And also, too, George starting to hear some news about the candidacy of Jeff Saturday. We'll discuss if it's good or bad as well. So as you can tell, a very loaded pod. George, I'm excited, but rumor season, I think, is, is officially started here underway uh, in the NFL, especially now in the Blue Horseshoe pod. Yeah, unfortunately, lying season too, right? I mean, that's, that's what happens true. now. Uh, you got to you got to take everything you hear from here on out with a grain of salt because everybody's trying to to serve their own agenda and trying to hide what they really want to do. And uh, it's a tough time of year in the NFL for everybody, I think. That is for sure. The good news is, at least as we start this pod, there's not a lot of lying. It's hard to lie when at least we we're talking about head coaching candidates and who you're going to interview. So at least there, we could start with some truth and we could start with some concrete facts. Because now you're starting to see reporting dribble out. You start to see now interviews being scheduled. And at least as we record this podcast midway through Thursday, Colts have already completed one head coach interview in-house. with Bubba Ventrone, who's been there for the last five years. Obviously, as you know, is their special teams coordinator. Today, Thursday, they are scheduled to uh, interview Broncos defense coordinator. I hope I got this right, George. So please correct me if I'm wrong. A hero Avero? You're as close as me. That's a tough one. I'm going to have to learn this one, too. So... I just learned that he was born in England. That's my fun fact for for a very really. I did not yep. know that. Okay. Grew up in California, but he was born in England. So if he grew up a soccer fan, he could be the reverse Ted Lasso. That'd be exactly. interesting. You okay. Know, hey. I don't know how long he was in England. He was raised in California, so I don't know if he was there long enough uh, to get soccer into his blood or not. But you know, things you learn when you're researching these head coaching candidates. And look, I mean, Ted Lasso had a lot of success in the show. So maybe, you know, the reverse could happen here. Forget it's a TV show. We're just going to say that that's that's reality. So now you're bringing the opposite. It should work as well. So he will interview the Broncos' French coordinator. We'll interview on Thursday, Friday. The Colts have scheduled Ben Johnson, 
offense coordinator for the Lions, Raheem Morris, defensive coordinator uh, for the Rams. Both of those gentlemen scheduled to interview on Friday. Saturday, you have Shane Sykin, Eagles offense coordinator, and two other interviews that are currently listed that I have not seen scheduled but requested. Aaron Glenn, defense coordinator of the Lions. So both offensive and defensive coordinators for Detroit are on the Colts list. And obviously Jeff Saturday as well. We know we'll be interviewing when that's a question that I've not seen, but he will obviously be on the list. So a few names so far, George. Um, we have not seen any at least links with Jim Harbaugh officially. We've not seen any links with any other college head coaches. I know Jim, uh, Jim Irsay has mentioned that, you know, he's going to go outside of the box and talk about some names we haven't really heard of. So far, a lot of names rumored for the Colts have been names that we have all heard of and all names that have, you know, figured to be on the head coaching um, uh, carousel or the circuit, if you will, interview circuit. So out of those names, at least out of the official candidates so far for the Colts, any one or two names jump out to you and say, oh, that'd be a home run hire. That's absolutely a guy the Colts got to get if it does come to fruition. Yeah, I mean, first of all, I want to say a couple things. I think that the list is is going to continue to grow. I mean, I think it's noteworthy that they haven't requested anybody who's playing this weekend, and I think that's going to change. You know, whether it's Dan Quinn, Kellen Moore, somebody playing this weekend is going to be added to this list. I'm pretty sure about that. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see about the college guys. One thing about that is they don't have to request interviews for them, so we really won't find out about that unless one side or the other wants to leak it, you know, an agent or somebody with the team wants to say it's happening, uh, they don't have to file any paperwork with the league to say, you know, hey, we want to interview Matt Campbell, for instance, you know, at Iowa State. It's just something that that gets done. Um, and I know those college guys will want to keep that as quiet as they can, unless apparently you're Jim Harbaugh. Uh, and then right, he's not shy about it all he's out there. The Broncos, all the he's time. talking to the Panthers. He's, he's the one yeah. right, just, hey, here's my schedule. <laughs> Everybody else, I think, tight. Generally, you don't want that getting out. It doesn't help your recruiting. Um, but, you know, from, from the list that is there right now, one thing I think is really important, we, we talked about for weeks, we're going to find out quickly how much damage was done because we're going to see a, a candidate list. And it's a legit candidate list. Like you said, it's guys that you would expect to be there uh, that, that showed up. So uh, if there was any damage, it doesn't seem to have been significant. I think the two most noteworthy in that regard Raheem Morris is exactly the kind of candidate who could say no uh who has plenty of options he's been a head coach before he's got plenty of credibility that he could have just walked away from this if he felt like the situation was, was too damaging in, in his eyes and then Shane Sykin who obviously has you know the ability to call Frank Reich and talk to not just Nick Sirianni but Jonathan Gannon the defense coordinator in Philly was here uh, I think there are a couple other coaches on that staff that were here as well uh, so, you know, I think he also would have been a guy that easily could have said no uh, if they felt like the situation was too chaotic. So that's a good sign early on. I think um, we'll see how things go with the interviews. I think Sean Payton has already kind of hinted that stability of ownership is the most important thing for him. And I would bet every coaching candidate that's high on their list, whether it's one, two or three, uh, nobody wants to go somewhere where they feel like they're going to be undercut by the front office. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see how those play out. I'm sure we'll start hearing some leaks about if anybody backs out. I'm sure we'll start hearing leaks about that and why. Uh, that'll be the next kind of chapter of this story. But I think so far, so good on that front. Um, the guys, I think, that kind of stand out amongst this early list. Evero is is up there. I, I have not had any personal contact with him. Obviously, he's not coached anywhere uh, in my circle. But I hear that when you talk to him, uh, in these kind of football settings, like the one he's going to be in for the interview on Thursday, 
he's very impressive. I mean, the, the people that have been around him in that, he's a hugely knowledgeable guy, has a real clear vision for what he wants to do, a really good plan. I think I think they were 14th in scoring. Um, I always think that's kind of a tough one to gauge defenses by, though, because it's not always in their power. I mean, if the offense turns it over uh, and and gives you a short field, you give up points and you you did very little, you know, to cause that. They were seventh in yards, which is a little bit more in their power, and I think that's an interesting number for him, given uh, the struggles that that Denver team had. You saw how this defense kind of broke down late in the season. Uh, I think mental fatigue was a big part of it because the offense just did not hold up its its end of the bargain. That didn't happen in Denver, so I think their coordinator deserves some credit for that. He's high on my list, and the other one that's interesting is Ben Johnson. He's only 36 years old, uh, and he's first-year coordinator. But I think what he did with Jared Goff got the attention of the entire NFL. Uh, and you look at that Lions offense and the numbers they put up, the reason they were in position to make a late run and get themselves into playoff contention was that offense. They carried them through the early part of the year and made it so that even though things were bad, they weren't totally off the, the map. Um, so I think those two guys, for me, are, are the standouts right away. And then Morris, uh, because I think his if you look at his coaching record, it's not great. But he was very young when he took over in Tampa Bay. And people say, you know, he's learned a lot. He's a different guy. I think he has an ability to connect with players on a really deep level. Uh, that could be really important as you're trying to, to rebuild some trust in this locker room. The two guys I like to piggyback on one is absolutely Ben Johnson. Like I said, even just if you haven't watched any of the Lions at all and all you did was watch a Sunday night game against the Packers in Week 18 a few days ago, you see just the creativity in offense. Like even in a game where – Jared Goff was struggling, even in the game where, like you said, late, like Jared Goff couldn't make some throws. It was still designing plays that made it easier throws for Jared Goff, rolling them out, you know, setting it up where even some of the deep balls he throws, they were the guys are open. And it's not like he's – look, Amon Ross St. Brown is, is an up-and-coming good receiver, but it's not like they're working with superstars all throughout the line. Like, they have a good offense, and this is an offense that was top five in yards, top five in points. But, again, it's with a guy in Jared Goff who was – who went to a Super Bowl, obviously, with L.A., but also kind of coming off that, you know, had a little stench on him when Sean McVay traded him and still able to turn around to a top five, you know, have uh, lead, have Jared Goff lead a top five offense. Again, DeAndre Swift was, I would maybe say, arguably their best player on offense, and he's been out for a lot of the season. So he's able to make do with injuries, make do with a guy in Jared Goff who is, again, not Patrick Mahomes, not Josh Allen, where it's kind of easy to prop those guys up or easy to call plays when you have a superstar at the position. So you're right, I like him a lot for what he's done in Detroit in his one year there and the creativity he brought to the offense, which, I mean, look, look at the Colts offense this year. Creativity is not a word you could use to describe how they played this year. So I think that would be a nice, you know, little turnaround, especially offensively, especially when you're going to work, assume, you know, assuming you're going to work with a young uh, rookie quarterback. Also, another guy I like, a kind of similar mold to Shane Sykin, and I think you brought up a great point to start here, George, is we talked about it for really the last month. What is the head coaching pool going to look like? Like, how is Jim Irsay's decision to go with Jeff Saturday and have a blow up in his face? How is that going to impact prospective head coaches and how they view this job? And like I said, it's one thing to just take an interview right now. They go through the interview process, see, you know, kind of not only are the Colts interviewing these candidates, these candidates are interviewing the Colts. So we'll see also, too, you know, coming out of these first interviews, if there's a second interview, if there's still interest in guys like Shane Sykin and still interest in guys like Raheem Morris, who, like I said, have been around a guy like his, you know, and his stature has been around the league a long time and has been a head coach. He knows what unstable organizations look like and if he identifies out with the Colts. So we'll get a lot in this next week of how the Colts are viewed by, by coaches around the league, but at least it is a good sign they are taking the interview to start. There's interest. 
That's kind of changed second week. Again, when you look at Philly, you have a guy on Jalen Hurts who's a different quarterback who's, you know, let's say more of the Lamar Jackson mold where his legs are almost as vital as his arm. And that Philly offense, again, when he was in there and Jalen Hurts was healthy and playing well, one of the best offenses in the NFL. And Shane Sutton, along with Nick Sheehan, is a big reason why you kind of saw that creative offense work. So I think creativity is huge for this Colts uh, offense going forward. And those two guys at least stand out when it comes to offensive creativity. I think that I like about Avera, though, when it comes to the defensive side of the ball, is you look at the Colts and the Broncos, even though he's only been a defense coordinator for one year, so you can say the, the experience is not really there. Also, too, you could say the experience is perfect because Denver, what they went through, was very similar to what the Colts went through this year, where you mentioned, you know, 13th in scoring uh, offense, or excuse me, 13th in scoring defense Denver was this year, and 7th in total yards. But it's also, you could have had a mutiny on your hands with the way Russell Wilson has played and with how some of the defensive guys kind of viewed him uh, this year where he was supposed to be the savior and said he was the reason why they lose a lot of games. It's easy to lose the defense. It's easy to lose the locker room. And not saying that there was a mutiny on their hands with the Colts this year, but it was the same thing where Matt Ryan was brought in, although obviously lesser expectations, but still brought in to get this offense going. And when you look at the Colts, you know, one of the league's worst in, in uh, points per game and constantly putting it on the defensive shoulder, especially with turnovers, it's good that at least Avero has that experience of, being with a team that experienced the same sort of futility on offense, but still, for the most part, defensively, he was still able to get his guys bought in and playing hard. So that's an area where I think is really kind of benefits of Vera because the Colts and the Broncos, I thought, were very similar this year in a lot of ways, unfortunately. Yeah, unfortunately, they had really, really similar seasons and a lot <laughs> yeah. of the same problems and uh, a lot of the same issues moving forward. I do think one thing with Johnson connecting with something that, that Chris Ballard said during his presser you know, when I asked him about building a structure around a young quarterback and how important that's going to be as he looks for a head coach, he kind of went a different direction with the answer. And he said, you know, he wanted guys who could win with above average to average quarterback play that, that you weren't just relying on a superstar quarterback. And I think Johnson is the one guy in this early group of candidates who has shown that without a doubt, you know, he's done it. Um, Jared Goff has, has been average to above average this year. You know, no one's talking about him as elite, you know, at the top of the level. With Steichen, Hurts is in that conversation. You know, he's a different kind of quarterback, but he's in that conversation. I think he's seen as a superstar quarterback. Um, not that that hurts his candidacy. I just think it's something that, with Johnson, I think it's just something that connects there. Um, you know, if Jim Harbaugh gets into this, this mix at some point, he kind of fits that mold too. It's hard to say with the defensive guys. I think they're going to have to prove it with, with their playing when they come in. Um, but with the offensive guys, you've got that track record. And I just think Johnson's a guy who now has that on his resume. Two things before we wrap up here, George. What about Bubba, Bubba Ventrone's candidacy? Right? Is he right now, outside of Jeff Saturday, the only in-house candidate that's going to get a look as a true head coach? He's been on the staff for five years. He's with Bill Belichick before that. That was a guy that you even see some Colts players say that they assume, like, if they're going to go in-house, he was kind of the guy that's going to get the look. Is he, like, how would you assess his candidacy here for the Colts moving forward? Yeah, I'd be interested to see. He absolutely should have been the interim coach. I don't think there's any doubt about that. That that was the move to make. Uh, the locker room loves him. I mean, I don't know any of those players that, that don't swear by him. Zaire Franklin, in particular, is a huge fan of him. You see the way Franklin's career took off this year. Um, I think he's a guy who would immediately have credibility with that locker room and would immediately have credibility um, with the league. You know, I, he, I think he's a guy, he, he's not right now in a bunch of other 
uh, coaching circles. You know, he's not been requested by anybody else at, at this point, but he's a guy that is viewed widely as, as a future head coach, you know, that there's only a few special teams coaches who kind of end up on that list. Bubba's name is right at the top of the, of those names. Um, and I think he, with him, it's the same as it would be with Jeff Saturday and, and all these guys, honestly, what kind of staff can he put together? You know, what, what is his plan? Who's his offense coordinator? Who's his defense coordinator? Who's going to take over special teams for him? But I think always with the special teams guys, one of the benefits is they've worked with everyone on the roster. So they've already kind of done that head coach role in terms of, you know, you always hear about invariably, if you hire a defensive coach within the first couple of weeks on the job, he'll talk about having to remember to go over to the offensive side and being in offensive meetings and that being new for him and vice versa. The defensive offensive coaches will say the same thing about the defense. You don't hear that with the special teams. They, they've always been in all the meetings. They deal with all the, the guys on the players. So I think that's something that, that comes into play for him. Now, the obvious question is if he wasn't the choice for interim coach, why would he be the choice now for, for the full-time head coach? And, you know, we have to see how that plays out. It wouldn't be the first time something completely contradictory happened around this franchise uh, connected to this season. That's a good point. I didn't think about that. Like, it made sense when they, you know, it was announced that they were interviewing. So, okay, yeah, they should. But you're right. It's like, well, if they didn't really even consider him and you heard Jim Mercer say over and over and over again, it was basically Jeff Saturday or bust. Frank Reich would have still been the coach. Jeff Saturday said no. So, like you said, there was no consideration for whatever reason to anybody else coaching this team outside of Jeff Saturday. Maybe Jim Mercer just got in a, you know, got um, tunnel vision and only saw one guy, but so I think Van Trump seems like someone who looks at would interview very well. And like I said, he's beloved by his players. His special teams unit, you could argue, over the five years has been the most consistent unit for the Colts. We saw in 2021 that was one of the best, if not the best unit in all the NFL, and even this year as well. Through Throughout the injuries they had to deal with as well, was still a very solid and very productive unit. Um, so Ventron, like I said, has done a great job. The biggest question, you mentioned it, is going to be his staff. And that's the thing for Jeff Saturday, and that's really the same thing for any – Special teams guy still with John Harbaugh. One of the reasons why he's so successful in Baltimore is he's a great CEO, but also he is great at hiring people to run the offense, to run the defense. He seems pretty hands off, but again, he trusts the guys he hires, but he hires great, you know, great candidates. And that's going to be the biggest question with Ventrone is if you get the job, I don't think there's any doubt about his leadership. I don't think there's any doubt, like you mentioned, his ability to connect with players and have them buy in. The biggest question is going to be what, who are you going to hire offensively? Who are going to hire defensively? What is kind of your vision going forward here? And that's always, you know, the biggest question mark, because again, you'd assume if things go well, well, then your st- people are going to hire others off your staff and you're going to have to constantly kind of, you know, always have some turnover. So I'd be interested, uh, interested to see kind of what his plan would be uh, if he was to get the job. Let me ask you this, kind of wrap it up here, just in terms of, of uh, candidates for the Colts. Like you mentioned, they've requested no one that is playing a wild card week and you'd assume Tomiko Ryans would be a, a name on that list. Maybe someone from the Cowboys, Dan Quinn, Kellen Moore as well. You can't start um, head coaching interviews for uh, coaches that are playing this weekend until January 17th anyway. So it's not like the Colts are, are missing the ball by any stretch of the imagination. But I do wonder, is there a name? Like, if we just throw some curveballs, whether it's – you mentioned before Matt Campbell. I don't think that was an accident when you kind of threw Matt Campbell's name out of Iowa State, who's been kind of a – a dark, not a dark horse, but just a name, the other college name that you've heard outside of Jim Harbaugh. Like, is it, as, would you consider a guy like Cliff Kingsbury if you were Jim Mercer? Like, is there anyone that was either fired that is kind of out of the box that would kind of fit the Jim Mercer mold outside of, again, the names that we hear a lot of, like, you know, Tamika Ryans and some others that, again, haven't been officially requested for an interview, but you'd assume 
in the next few days would be. Is there anyone kind of out, out, outside the box? I don't mean to put you on the spot, but yeah, I, I, I don't know about anybody that would like shock anybody, but I do think you know what they're looking for. I think is pretty clear in terms of wanting that that disciplinarian, that you know guy who's going to come in with a lot of accountability. You, you keep hearing a lot of those same buzzwords. Basically, a, a Matt, a Mike Vrabel type of candidate, somebody in that kind of mold. I think is, is what they want. Dan Campbell, that type of a head coach. Um, so I think if if they find a defensive coach or or an offense coach out there that they feel like fits that mold, I think that's where you'll get that curveball. You know, it'll be somebody that they feel like, because I think Dan Campbell, when when uh, Chris Ballard interviewed him back in 2018, was out of the mold. He was outside the box, and, and people were kind of surprised. And it quickly came out that, hey, no, this is a guy with a lot of uh, inside NFL circles. He's got a lot of credibility, and, you know, he's, he's a big players guy, big on accountability. All the things he's done in Detroit – they were talking about back in 2018 when, when he was being interviewed here. So I do think Ballard's done that before. I think the first time around, he kind of surprised everybody with Matt Rule, uh, who ended up obviously eventually getting the Panthers job. It didn't work. But again, showing that it was somebody that wasn't on the radar uh, outside the NFL, but obviously people inside the NFL were paying attention. I think four or five guys that he interviewed during that those two searches ended up getting head coaching jobs. So um, I would imagine you're going to see it. It's hard to predict who it'll be, but with Dan Campbell and Matt Rule on the first time around, I think you're going to see something like that again this time. It seems inevitable. I feel like Matt Campbell's a name I keep coming back to that does fit some of the things you mm-hmm. mentioned where he's kind of more CEO kind of guy at Iowa State. He's, he is a, a disciplinarian. That's what we see on the sidelines. He's a big yeller. He's someone who, you know, does kind of preach accountability. And Outside of Jim Harbaugh, I think I think you mentioned before too. It's like you know we kind of talked about this. Like you don't want your name kind of unless you're Jim Harbaugh for whatever reason. I think it also just kind of shows he's ready to get out of Michigan. But most college coaches want to keep it under wraps because again, if things don't go well, it hurts recruiting. If your name's out there for a job interview and makes him like oh he wants to leave, even you know, if you don't get the job, it's always thought of oh next year, two years, he's going to leave and it's tough to recruit. So I think Matt Campbell's name is not going to be named over here a ton, if at all. I have. If it's not going to be Jim Harbaugh from college, I could definitely see Matt Campbell's name being prominent. I just, I guess the only thing is maybe prominent that I work. I feel like it would be one of those really things happen really quickly because it's just, they're going to yeah. try to keep it under wraps as much as possible. If you start hearing his name, it's probably like he's getting the job. I mean, right. or it'll be like the Matt rule situation where it comes out after he's already interviewed and, and they've kind of moved on. And now you can kind of use it as, Oh, I, I didn't want the job. I just, you know, the NFL wants me and, and that, you know, sometimes the coaches can kind of use that, especially if you're at a smaller school like Iowa State to kind of help, you know, push things. And rule was at, I think, Baylor uh, when that happened. So if, if you're at a smaller school like that, you know, it, it can help a little bit. Like, look, I have NFL connections. You want to go to the league, you can come to Iowa State and I can get you there. Um, but you're not going to publicize it ahead of time. I guess one college name that I can't rule out. I haven't heard anything on it. I'm just trying to throw spitballs. Maybe Greg Schiano. He's uh, been in the NFL wow. before and fit this mold. So, you know, and it, things aren't going great at Rutgers right now. You would think he'd be open to listening to something like that. I've heard no implication of that. Um, but it just, if, if you're looking for tough guys and, and you know, disciplinarians, Schiano fits that mold. Oh, boy. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I was 
The, the only thing I could say, George, I don't think he'd be a very good head coach. Again, we saw in Tampa, no. it was a very short-lived um, tenure there. The one thing you can guarantee with Greg Schiano is that anytime a team's taken in the you know the Colts, Grover Stewart, DeForest Buckner, Quiddy Pay, firing off the line. They will they will be playing to the to the whistle. That is for sure. Now, whether you know they'll be on the field because most times the offense taking a knee. That's uh, on the other team. That's probably going to be the way it is in victory formation. But doesn't help as well. <laughs> no, no, I'm not saying he'd be a good coach. I'm just saying if you're right. looking for somebody who fits fits the criteria we think they're looking for, oh, you know, geez. there's a guy out there. Oh boy, I, I don't think it's a Penn State bias in me, kind of just crapping on a Rutgers guy. But oh boy, boy, oh boy, that no, thing. The, the tenure in Tampa Bay was abjectly awful. 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 I mean, there's no question about it. And it's not gone well in his return to Rutgers so far. I mean, there was a little bit of a bump early, but uh, it's not like, you know, they're they're on some kind of upward trajectory right now. So I don't think it would be a great candidate. I just think that's the kind of guy that, that they're looking for. And when you're looking out there at, you know, what these candidates will look like, there it is. I thought, and you know this, because I put him on a list way back when, when Frank Reich was fired, I thought Luke Fickle would be a guy that would get in the mix now. But I think him obviously taking the job at Wisconsin kind of removes him from that equation. He'll be an interesting one. You said it is kind of the Mike Vrabel-esque coach that is kind of fits a similar mold um, from, from there. And I believe, I'm not mistaken, I believe they coach you guys. Mike Vrabel's at Ohio State. And I think it was when, I could be wrong, Luke Fickle was there for a little bit as well. So you could see kind of, you know, mm-hmm. you could see kind of the the – Vrabel tree, if you will, which now would been now would been one I, I was I'd be going for for sure. I probably right now if you had a power rank, like I'd still probably put Jim Harbaugh one in terms of college candidates. I think Luke Fick would be kind of right up there, one A or two over you know a guy like Matt Campbell, definitely over a guy like Greg Schiano. Which again, none of these guys are, are rumored. Just we're just kind of throwing out there and trying to put mm-hmm. you know you like said use traits as to what they're looking for and kind of piece those together for out of the box guys we haven't heard. But at least for right now, is recording this on Thursday. Colts have seven candidates they are either in the process of interviewing, have interviewed, or will interview Bubba Ventrone, a hero of Arrow, the Broncos fence coordinator, Ben Johnson, Lions offense coordinator, Key Morris, the Rams DC, Eagles OC, Shane Sykin, Aaron Glenn, the Lions fence coordinator, and of course, Jeff Saturday. So keep you updated as, as that list continues, like we said, to probably grow over the next days and weeks for sure. Um, and like I said, it doesn't seem like the Colts are in any rush. You had Chris Ballard the other day say they'll go to mid-February if they got to find the right guy. So the Colts will definitely, George, I think you, uh, we could say be do, uh, do their due diligence. And also, too, Chris Ballard so far is saying he'll interview anyone from any background so far. You see special teams with Bubba Madrone, check. Defensive coordinators, check. Offense coordinators, check. So also Chris Ballard is kind of so far – practicing what he's been preaching in terms of being open and kind of seeing all different cats, all the different sides of the ball uh, interviewing as well. So when we're turning in the blue horseshoe pod, a lot of these guys we just talked about, George have other interviews, right? This is not just the only team they're looking for. It's not Colts or bust. They're in demand. Where do the Colts rank right now? The five job openings and why a wild card weekend could be actually a bad thing for the Colts. We'll discuss that in the blue horse pod returns. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. 
And welcome back into the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. Ryan Hickey and George Bremer here with you. Make sure you download and subscribe to the Blue Horseshoe Podcast wherever you may get your podcasts. So, George, the Colts are in the interview process so far. We just broke down a few candidates and at least that they're scheduled to interview over the next few days. But again, one thing we, we keep talking about is just because they're scheduled doesn't I mean obviously that they are, you know, having their Colts as their dream job or, or number one on the list. Colts right now are competing with at least five teams. So let's talk about the five teams that we know guaranteed will be hiring a new coach. Panthers, Broncos, Cardinals, Texans, and obviously the aforementioned Colts as well. Now that we have five guaranteed openings after Black Monday is come and gone, where would you rank the Colts? Because for me, I think we kind of talked this a little bit when we, when we had the three openings with the Broncos, Panthers, and Colts. I still think even with the Cardinals and the Texans being the two latest teams open up, I would still say they're second, to be honest. I would still put the Broncos at number one, assuming that, you know, you think you could turn Russell Wilson around, which I know it's a small sample size. Granted, it's two games. But since they did fire Nathaniel Hackett, that offense and Russell Wilson has looked better. So if you think that, okay, maybe it's just Nathaniel Hackett more uh, causing offense to struggle and causing Russell to struggle than Russ himself, I think you could buy into a good defense, a good quarterback still, and that's why I would put the Colts kind of a little bit ahead of right now, or the Broncos, I should say, ahead of the Colts. Right now, the two other openings, George, where would you put the Colts right now out of five? Yeah, I think it's, it's really down to what each candidate wants. I think one thing about this group that's interesting is I don't think this year, right now, and we'll see how things change, right now I think there's an obvious number one where just everyone would agree. You know, like if the Chargers opens up, everyone just say, oh, you got Justin Herbert. You got stars on defense. That That's the job. There isn't anything like that in this group right now. I think that all of them have their their own appeal for whatever reason. Like, I think the Panthers are down towards the bottom, but they also are the most likely to pay the most money because I think David Tepper is just going to fork over, you know, Brinks trucks worth, worth of cash right now. Uh, so if that's your number one priority, Carolina might be number one on, on your list. And Denver and Arizona. You could argue. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I think Denver and Arizona, I think it's all about the quarterback. You know, it, do you believe that Russell Wilson's washed? Then Denver's not going to be interesting to you. If you believe you can go in there and win with him and with Nathaniel Hackett's fault, like you were talking about, then Denver goes right to the top of the list. Arizona the same way. Do you think Kyler Murray can get healthy? You can use him in creative ways? Then you would love that job. But if you think that he's a problem child or that he's going to be injury prone, then you're probably less. Yeah, I think that's what makes it so tough. I think what's made the Colts job more interesting, Houston, I think it's the number two pick. You know, that that's the draw there. Downside is they've just fired two coaches after one year. So how long of a leash are you getting? And then I think in Indianapolis, the downside is obviously the stability of the owner right now. You know, is, is he going to go back to the way that, that he was for most of his career? Is it, or is it going to be a circus like it was this year? But I think that number four pick changes the math here. I mean, if you're a coach and you're looking at this job, you got to feel like you can get a young quarterback, at least one of the three guys at the top of the draft right now, the consensus kind of three guys at the top of the draft and Stroud, Young, and Levis, and even have the ability, you know, the, the ammunition to get a specific quarterback. If you want to go up to one, it's there. The power is there. You know, if you want to just go up to three with the Cardinals, it's even easier. Um, but I, I think that's, I think that number four pick changes the math. So I would probably put the Colts right in the middle right now at three, just because I think Arizona and Denver, if you do believe in those quarterbacks, they're better jobs because of it. So, but then I think the Colts with that number four pick are next. Houston's probably fourth because they've got the number two pick. 
but I would be worried if I went in there that someone's going to jump me. I'm not getting my guy. The Colts have that ability right now. We've talked about it for a while. If you're Chicago, that number four spot with the Colts is probably a pretty tempting deal to make. I would put them a little bit ahead of Houston because of that and the fact that the last two guys in Houston, you know, got run out after one season. That's a really good point. We're going to think about all five jobs. You could easily make an argument. I think you can make an argument for all five being like the most attractive. Like, I do think like if you're depending on who you are, but if you're like Sean Payton, right. And you can have any job you want out of the five. I think you can make city or make a legitimate argument for Houston being a place you want to go. Because I think you can, with your clout, say basically, look, get Nick Casario out. I'm going to come in here. I'm, I have a history of winning. I think Cal McNair would buy into it. And you could basically take over the organization and ha- and run it yourself. Like I said, you have the number two overall pick. Maybe you trade up to number one. You get that young quarterback you like. They have a lot of cap space. You know, they have young players. I think you can make an argument, if you're Sean Payton, that the Texans could be the most attractive job. Like you mentioned, I think you make an argument with, with the Broncos. You can make an argument with the Cardinals if you're a believer in Kyler Murray. And also, too, with Steve Kimes stepping away, similar to the Texans, you could kind of come in there if you have some clout and bring your own GM or, or be a de facto GM if you want to be and kind of take over a dysfunctional organization and lead them into, you know, brighter times in the Panthers. Like you said, David Tepper is going to be motivated. So the money's going to be there. You have a, I think it's, I believe a top 10 pick uh, as well. And also too, you're in a, the NFC South where you could easily, I mean, they just missed out on the playoffs this year with all the turmoil that's gone on. You could easily convince yourself, I take this job Well, we are, right in the middle of a division race next year, first year, no matter what. So it's like, you can kind of, I think, make an argument for each and every job of being the best and also an argument for each and every job being the worst. So I think you're right. Like there's no true, oh, by far, number one, this is the job everyone's going to search for and then everyone else is playing for second, which I do think is good for the Colts, at least in the five jobs, because again, you could, assuming if you're Chris Ballard and, well, especially Chris Ballard, I think he's going the one making more of the pitch than Jim Irsay. You could sell a lot of these candidates on, the Colts being the spot for you, like I said, we talked about George for how long now? Once they really fired Frank Reich, the coach, the attractiveness for the Colts is going to be dependent on where they're drafting. And not only is the number four pick now attractive, you can actually make a plan for maybe not identify the quarterback you want, but identify, hey, two or three guys in the mix, like you said, that this is guaranteed to have one of the three, let's say, or one of the two. And also the Bears have the number one overall pick. You can, again, it's not a guarantee, but you can show this is what we're going to try to do. We're going to try to move our way up to number one. And at least it's realistic. So you can have a coach buy into it rather than if the Texans had number one or the, or the culture pick in eighth. It's different. You know, so I think you're 100% right where having the fourth pick does change the calculus for a lot of head coaching um, prospects in terms of the Colts. I think now you can make an argument of, of turning this around, especially offensively, faster than maybe even a, a month or two ago that we saw. Now, while I think you're 100% right when in terms of the five jobs open right now, they're, the Colts could, say, could be the worst, could be the best. Like you, There's no standalone job without a doubt, which is good. The concerning part is we'll talk about what to watch for with Wild Card Weekend because that, I think, will change the math. I mean, will change the calculus for a lot of these guys even right now because I don't know about yourself. Let me just throw a few things by here, George. The big game, Monday night, Wild Card Weekend, Bucks cowboys I think definitely Mike McCarthy is fired. I don't care what Jerry Jones says this week about, you know, this is not a game for his job. I think right now, the if, da- if Dallas loses on Monday night, I think Mike McCarthy is fired. I would then say, even though it's Jerry Jones you're dealing with, which I get is annoying, I would probably put the Cowboys number one in terms of attractiveness. Where would you put the Cowboys if they open up here in terms of attractiveness of, at that point, would be six jobs? 
Yeah, I mean, you, you're going to get everything there, right? You've got a quarterback, you've got a defense, you've got money. Jones is going to pay big for it. I think the only thing about that is it affects Colts. There's no doubt about it. But that you're talking about the elite of the league. If Dallas is open, you're talking about Peyton and Harbaugh, maybe a guy like D'Amico Ryans, uh, and then internal guys like Kellen Moore and, and Dan Quinn. I, I don't think like a guy like Ben Johnson probably isn't going to be considered there. I mean, it's just right. it's Dallas. They're, they're probably going at the very top of the crop. Well, here I guess we're – I think this is the domino effect. Toothfold. One, I think you're right, but it's like, okay, Jim Harbaugh, you mentioned his name could be in the mix. Well, that's a guy I would see on the Colts' radar. Another thing that could be interesting is when you look at the Broncos, a name we saw last year this time was Dan Quinn, and it seemed like Dan Quinn had an inside track till he, for whatever reason, took his name out of the running. You think this year Dan Quinn will be back in the running, especially his head coaching experience, and when you hire a guy with no experience in the fan, how could usually see teams and owners go the other way, right? Like, oh, we hired a guy with no experience. Let's go hire a guy with experience. You could sell yourself on Dan Quinn. I think Dan Quinn's going to be high on the list when it comes to the Broncos. Let's say Dan Quinn's hired internally, right? Jerry Jones has raved about him. They they fire Mike McCarthy, hire Dan Quinn. Okay, maybe, the Col- maybe Dan Quinn's never on the Colts' radar. But now I wonder, does that change then the Broncos thinking of, well, Jim Harbaugh's guy that already interviewed with us. Maybe now they push harder for a guy like Jim Harbaugh. And again, that's another area where one of the air, the candidates we perceive to be the top for the Colts um, is taken off the board, either going to the Cowboys or going to the Broncos. And again, maybe even it's not Jim Harbaugh. Maybe it's a guy like D'Amico Ryan, which again, Colts nine requested. Uh, yet the, the San Francisco 49ers defensive coordinator, but that's another name where again, you hear is highly uh, coveted. That's a guy that's going to be you know highly sought after. And maybe that's a guy that looks at the Colts as I can come here and win. It seems like he's not interested in his former team in the Texans, which is, I think, a good thing for the Colts. So, again, maybe that's a guy that he is impressed. I think that he'll do a good job while in the Colts. Maybe that's a guy that he's wowed by the Colts and say, okay, I'm on the radar. But like I said, now the Cowboys open up. That's, I think, where the dominoes could fall in terms of mm-hmm. who they hire. And then maybe it's, you know, that impacts the Broncos, which who the Broncos hire could impact the Colts and vice versa. So the Cowboys are, I think, a team to watch for sure. I wonder about the Buccaneers, to be honest, on the other side, George, because, look, I know the Buccaneers are 8-9, and nine, right? They're not very good, but they won the division anyway in the NFC South. And it's like, obviously, the big question is Tom Brady's future. I wonder if Todd Bowles is back either way, if Tom Brady decides to re- return or Tom Brady decides to either leave or retire. Because if he returns, I don't think he's returning status quo. Like, I know injuries are a large part of what happened this year for them, but it's like, I don't think Tom Brady with – Let's just say last year is the last true year he could play at a high level and maybe compete for a Super Bowl before. I know we had this conversation for years, but before he his talent drops off at some point, I don't think he's going to say, "Okay, you know, we're just going to run it back this year. It's a bad year." And I think he's going to do whatever it takes. I mean, that's a guy in Sean Payton who does go there, which again now opens up a few other dominoes in Tampa. I wonder Todd Bowles' security, uh, whether Tom Brady stays or if he leaves. Like at that point, I still think the Buccaneers are a good team and an attractive destination. If he leaves, I still think they could go after a guy like Derek Carr, go after a guy like maybe even Aaron Rodgers, per se, and still try to piece it together and still be a playoff team, which, again, if you have a playoff team on the table, potentially, I think that changes the way where – I would say right now, the, the Buccaneers, if Tom Brady leaves, are still closer to the playoffs with the division they're in and the talents on the roster compared to even where the Colts are. So, again, if you're a coach that says, I'll make the playoffs quickly, I think Tampa, again, you would get the nod over Indy. Would you agree with that? Um, again, it, it depends. I put them in another one of those lists where it depends on what you're looking for. Cause I think the one thing with Tampa is you're, you're dealing with an aging roster. There's a lot of talent there. Uh, but a lot of those guys are, are getting up there. You know, got Mike Evans already in year nine for receiver that that's really, that's you know, late, late in, in your career. Um, so I think it just depends. I think again, a younger guy like a Ben Johnson probably doesn't make as much sense there. 
because you're going to go through a rebuild pretty quickly after you get there. Uh, but a guy like Dan Quinn, a guy like Jim Harbaugh, a guy like Sean Payton, they all make sense because they're going to be coming in thinking we're going to win year one and we'll worry about, you know, what comes after that when, when that time comes, you know, we'll go in there and we'll win right away. I think what Dallas, Tampa and Arizona all have in their favor is being in the NFC. I think right now, if you're looking as a head coach, that conference is more wide open. That's the one that you feel more like I could go get Derek Carr and I'm right there. I, I could maybe go to a Super Bowl. I don't know if you feel that way in the AFC. You know what I mean? The way the 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 teams stack up right now. I don't know if you feel like going and getting a veteran retread is is going to be enough to put you over the top. It definitely could if you're if you're in Tampa. And I think that's going to matter, you know, but I think, again, it, it's more I think if if I'm looking at that job, it's more somebody uh, who's not necessarily trying to start their career and looking to be there for 10 or 15 years. It's somebody who's trying to get in and, and win right now. It's a great job for that. Right. Right. I would agree with that. And then the other two teams I think to keep an eye on this weekend, one is playing in wild card weekend. One is not the Chargers. You mentioned before, Brandon Staley, if the Chargers lose, I personally think he's safe. Um, but we know there's been a lot of rumors about, you know, Sean Payton wanting that job and, and the Chargers, you know, even with the way the, the year ended where they got into the playoffs, as we know, they beat the Colts. But then um, week 18, they're playing starters and, and Mike Williams gets hurt and Joey Bosa leaves with what appeared to be an injury and Brain still saying it's not an injury, but it still looks like an injury. And he's getting criticism for the way he played his starters in week 18. Like there, it's still a rocky way to get in the playoffs, even though for the Chargers coming into this year, it was playoffs or bust. I wonder, George, if he does, if they lose to the Jaguars on Saturday, if that's a job that's if he gets fired. And I think that's the, all the jobs we've talked about. I think you can make a case for. I think it's standalone obvious. Chargers go right to the top list by far, the most attractive job in this opening. If Brandon Staley is fired, if they if the Chargers do lose on Wild Card Weekend, yeah, if he's out, I think the Chargers are, are right at top list. Everybody wants that job. Everybody wants to go in there, work with Justin Herbert, build things with them. The, probably the only downside for, for taking that job is the division. It's highly competitive. Right. you got to get through Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. But I think you've got the pieces there that, that you'll accept that challenge. I think you would have everybody uh, lining up and, and, and wanting that job. I think it depends on how they lose. I think if they lose and, and Staley makes another one of these decisions that he's made throughout the year that that is easily second-guessed, and I think that could, you know, especially – if Mike Williams doesn't play or doesn't play at, at full level, and then there's a point in the game where he makes a call that is highly questionable and it, and it leads to a Jaguars win, I think that's a scenario where Brandon Staley doesn't come back. We saw with Frank Reich in 2018, in overtime, was it fourth and five on their only 20 yard line? I forget the exact depth mm-hmm. distance, but it's something in that range. It gets the Texans, they don't get it. Not Texans 40, 45, somewhere in there. They lose the right. They lose the game, and Frank Reich. It's funny. He got almost revered for it in the locker room. The players loved it. <laughs> if Brandon Staley does the same thing, he might not even make it to the post game press conference, George. I'll tell you that right now. He may nope. get fired on the field. So I think you're right. Another boneheaded fourth and and five on your own twenty yard line. You go for it, you don't get it. That could be the end of Brandon Staley in LA. Which again, I don't think it'd be a good thing for the Colts because that's a job that everyone would be clamoring for. But let's also stick in LA. Go to a team that's not playing this weekend, Sean McVay and the Rams. They obviously had a, a very down year, uh, a brutal year after winning the Super Bowl. Look, when you have your – basically, you tell your coach if you can go look for other jobs. When you have a guy who's a really good friend of Sean McVay in his offense corner, Liam Cohen, who left to go to Kentucky, then left Kentucky to go coach with 
Sean McVay this year with LA. And now we're going back to Kentucky. Again, they're apparently pretty close to be the offense coordinator for a college team. I think the writing's on the wall. Sean McVay's retiring. Walking away, retiring, whatever you want to label it. I think that job in LA is opening up. How would you assess the Rams? I think that's, that's a very interesting job. If that does open up, if Sean McVay does walk away, how would you assess that in terms of obviously comparing with the Colts? Yeah, I think it's interesting. Um, I agree with you about about McVay, you know, probably being gone. It, people talk about it with players all the time. And once you get one foot out the door, you're done. Once you start continuing retire, considering retirement, it's over. Um, I get that feeling with him. You know, we heard about it after the Super Bowl, before the Super Bowl. Yeah. We had heard rumors that that he might walk away. So we know it's something he's been thinking about for a while. Uh, they just went through a rough year, as maybe as rough as anybody had uh, in the NFL this year. They're right there with the Colts and the Broncos in terms of, you know, disappointing season a lot of it was injuries there but it still had to take a big mental toll he had now losing season hadn't been under 500 at any point in a season until the opening week this year that's crazy um you know i think that's a really tough tough thing for him to deal with and so i do think he's walking away uh all all signs indicate that we'll see you know if he changes his mind um but i think it, it's a, it's a very attractive job again depending on what you're looking for i mean there's obviously a lot of talent there it's an aging roster. You're going to need to rebuild soon. But you also have an owner in Stan Kroenke who seems to just print money. So I don't think that's going to be an issue. And and they've shown before, you know, they're they're willing to make big trades. They're willing to 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 go and take big swings. So I don't. I think overall it's probably much more positive than negative. Yeah, you're going to go through a rebuild, but you're going to do it with tons of resources and a general manager who's willing to trade the entire draft if that's what it takes to get the guy that you want to get in there. So um, that being said, I've heard from some pretty good sources that, that Raheem Morris is the heavy front runner there. Uh, hmm. So it could be another domino effect type of thing where if Morris gets that job, you know, now he, he's interviewed with the Broncos already he's scheduled to interview with the Colts. Who knows what that changes? It's a butterfly effect kind of thing. You know, who knows what that changes with each other decision that's made. Right now, it obviously directly impact Colts with him, you know, higher you know, or interviewing already. So that would be that's really interesting. That's well, I mean, I guess you want continuity. That's interesting. Raheem Morris would be kind of the the front runner. I would have assumed if I'm LA, especially the Rams, and McVay walks away, I would call Sean Payton in a heartbeat and say, "Hey, come on over." Be like, I don't know. We talked to this on CBS Sports Radio on the show I produce on Wednesday, and I was I was kind of on an island with everyone else, and it sounds like you agree. With me, so I guess maybe I don't know if me and you are the minority. I don't know how uh, fans listening to this would agree or not. But I look at the Rams. I think they are way more attractive than the Colts because even though yes, Sean McVay is walking away, and you can maybe do your own math and say, well, he's walking away. If they, if they were, if he believed they were Super Bowl contender next year, he wouldn't walk away. But like you mentioned, even when they won the Super Bowl, they won it, and he's sitting there saying, oh, I don't know if I want to come back. So I think you're right. I think if he's walking away, this is more wanting to either take a break. Wanting to, he's talking about, you know, starting his own family, kind of being more present. And maybe he has a pull towards TV and he's so young that maybe he says, I just need a break now. And then in five years, I'll be back and recharge, ready to go. I think this is more of wanting a break than looking at this roster and saying, we're screwed. This team is going nowhere fast. And I don't want to be a part of a rebuild for another two or three years and kind of muck it up before it gets better. I think this is a team where, look, yeah, Matthew Stafford say he's going to return, whether Sean McVay is there or not. I believe Matthew Stafford. Cooper Cup is going to be back. Even if Aaron Donald retires, there's still talent on this team. And like you mentioned, Stan Kroenke and Les Need, the owner and the GM, have showed already they will do whatever it takes to put a winning product on the field. 
Yes, they don't have a first-round pick this year, but that, you know, basically it's resets and they are good with picks going after this draft. So it's not like the, the future is as bleak as maybe we would think with all the times they have traded a first-round pick. I think you can, depending on the, who the head coach is, you could actually turn this team around and beat up the old line. And I think you could be right back in Super Bowl contention next year in an NFC that's, again, wide open where outside of the 49ers, you look at the playoffs this year. I don't really feel good about any other team, to be honest, outside of San Francisco. So you look around, okay, maybe sure Philly is still good next year, but it's nowhere near the tough uh, goal that the AFC is showing with Mahomes and Burrow and Allen. So I think you could – like I think still the Rams next year are super contenders even if Sean McVay walks away. So, again, if you're a guy like Sean Payne, if you're a guy like Jim Harbaugh and you want to say, I want to win, I view the Rams and the Bucks in similar fashion where I don't think – I think you could, with a quarterback change or even just a, a tweaking to the roster, they could still compete bare minimum playoffs next year, but I think also Super Bowl contention, which again, I would put both of those jobs ahead of the Colts, which is not, you know, again, which is kind of tough in terms of if it is Jim Harbaugh, well, he could have his eyes set on on better opportunities in Tampa and LA than it is in Indy that could take him away. Like I said, whether it's Raheem Morris, whether it's another head coach that maybe the Colts are interested in that is, that is you know, gone because the, the Rams or the Bucks or the Chargers are more attractive. This wildcard weekend, for not having obviously a dog in the fight, George, it's going to have like, an impact on the Colts one way or another. Either the coaches we just talked about win, Brandon Staley wins, Mike McCarthy wins, and there's you know they keep their jobs and those those coaches and those teams are off the market this year for another year, or they lose. You know moves are made, and all of a sudden now you have more teams enter the fray, and I think more attractive teams enter the head coaching pool than currently of the five we have right now. No, there's no doubt, and I think all things considered, you'd lean NFC or AFC if everything else is equal. I'm going to the NFC team just because of what we've been talking about. I think there's more chance to win. Uh, that being said, on a completely unrelated note, I mean, if San Francisco ever gets like that elite quarterback, the rest of the league can just give it up. I mean, they're winning with Brock Purdy. What will happen if you put like Patrick Mahomes in San Francisco? I, it's over. That's what the Colts have tried to do. Build their team basically around a quarterback. The Colts have failed, obviously. And the 49ers have succeeded to easily the highest level without a doubt. All right, so when we come back here to wrap up the Blue Horseshoe Pod, Jeff Satter's name has been talked about a lot. He's going to get an interview. George is hearing, I think, what is some positive news. So Colts don't go in here because this is going to be a very important little uh, little chat about Jeff Satter's candidacy about the next Colts head coach on the Blue Horseshoe Pod returns. And welcome back into the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. Ryan Icke, George Bremer here with you. Make sure you download and subscribe to the Blue Horseshoe Podcast wherever you get your pods. George, the name we have talked about, honestly, far too much when it comes to head coach uh, candidacy is Jeff Saturday. We talked a lot about uh, on the midweek pod. In case you missed it, go back. And that's why you got to download and subscribe so you get all those pods right to your feed wherever you get your podcast. We broke down a lot of Jeff Saturday's end-of-the-year press conference from Monday. And it was a lot of we couldn't do this because of that. We couldn't do this because of that. A lot of excuses. Now, as we said a few days after that press conference, how did that press conference sit with, with the Colts front office? And especially when it comes to his candidacy, did he do himself any favors think with that end of the year press conference, but basically blaming lack of a staff and basically blaming not enough time and couldn't change anything and basically made excuses left and right where the Colts were one and seven. No, no. And I think you could tell that just from the change in tone a day later from, from Chris Ballard. I mean, the very first thing Chris Ballard said was, look, I failed. That was the very first thing he said at the start of that press conference, which was never anywhere in sight during uh, Jeff Saturday's press conference the day before. Now, towards the end of it, he did echo some of the things that, that Saturday was saying because they are true. You know, there were some tough situations, but 
you and I talked about that the day he got the job and I don't want to beat that dead horse even, even more, but we said from day one, this was not, it, it, I think I said on the pod and you agreed if Jim Ursay wanted to hire him as a full-time head coach, he should not have hired him on January or November 8th. Yes. Like yes. We said it right then because you're going to end up in this situation where you are today, uh, where he's one and seven and it's, and it's a hard sell to, to the fans. And I think that's ultimately it's lying season. You know, I said that at the top, and I think that's an important element here. But there is definitely vibes coming out of West 56th Street now that Jim Mercy is starting to maybe understand how hard of a sell this would be. That if you hire Jeff Saturday, you know, you, you're not going to have a fan base that accepts this. You're not going to have media. You know, look, we've been called soft in the media for I don't know how long. <laughs> as long as I've been on the beat. You know what I mean? It's the number one thing. You know, the, the right after Frank Wright yes. is a terrible cow. play caller is the indie media doesn't ask hard enough questions or or whatever. And you know, the, the, the chief cheerleader on that I would know is is no longer employed, but I'll just leave that that for itself. But <laughs> but you know I you can't say it the last month or you know, two months on this beat. I mean, I think the Colts have been hit really hard uh, from all sides about this this hire and about the potential of, of continuing it. So, again, it's lying season. I, I take everything I hear right now with a grain of salt because it's just where we are. But there there are, for the first time, some murmurs coming out of that building that, that maybe Jim Irsay is starting to, to look at the landscape and, and at least be questioning, you know, whether or not it, it's the right move. Common sense. Same. I don't want to get too uh, too crazy here, George, because like I said, it's Jim Mercy. He's on to one. He could be feeling one way today, and then tomorrow, wake up, say, ah, "Screw it, I'm going to do whatever I want anyway." And then Jeff Satter's head coach next week. But this seems we are trending towards common sense prevailing, and that's not something you could assume, not something you could take for granted when it comes to Jim Mercy and his decision making. And not so, since Halloween, that is for sure. So it's like. Duh, right? Like, obviously, that's a hard sell. And obviously, that just that would not be a good hire, and no one would like that. And I'll be honest, like, I did. I was skeptical if Jim Mercer would actually realize and, and be uh, truthful with himself about the reaction and how bad it would be. And like you said, I think you were 100% right. You said it the, the day he was hired, and now it echoes true more than ever. If he actually wanted to hire him as the permanent head coach, doing so on whatever it was, November 8th, gave it, basically took him out of the running. Like I said, you saw what happened, totally expected. Even after the first game, there's still not like no one's expecting this team to go five and three, four and four, be a competent team. Everything we saw in the last six weeks unfold is par for the course and expected. And so even with all that happening, you still Jim Mercer talking in the media, still telling ESPN and other reporters nationally, he's a viable candidate. He's going to be a competitive candidate. We're still going to get Jeff Saturday an interview. We don't really care what's going on. And I don't know if it was the, the Houston loss. I don't know if he was even, you know, the, the Chris Ballard uh, press conference where, again, not to blow smoke up your ass, not to blow smoke up other reporters' asses because you guys don't need it. I thought you guys handled that very well. And I think all the questions were fair, hard-hitting, and there's no softballs lobbed towards Chris Ballard's way, that's for sure. Maybe it was the press conference on Monday where you kind of hear the tenor completely change from Jeff Saturday and, like I said, oh, we couldn't do this, we couldn't do that, excuses, to Chris Ballard just, falling on the sword and basically saying, I own the failed season. It's my fault. I got to get better. Whatever it was, doesn't matter. 
you saying that you kind of hear that it seems like right now there's there's doubts more than ever about Jeff Saturday and the, the ability for Jim Mercy to to, sw- uh, to spin it. Thank goodness. I don't care how he got to the conclusion. The point is he finally is allowing common sense to actually enter his brain and say, yeah, this is actually a really bad idea. This would be a, an impossible sell and set the franchise back. I think if you want to go to one point in time to where it's just indefensible and where everybody will will look at it and say, you know, th- this is something that, that can't happen, it's when Nick Foles got hurt. And, and Kayvon Thibodeau is sitting there doing snow angels and the offensive line is, you know, doing nothing. Um, I think that for a guy who was a big part of, of the offensive line when he played here for a guy who has admitted, he spends a lot of his time with the offensive line since he came in as the interim coach. It's not a good look. And I think if you want to look at it at one moment in time, as kind of a Genesis for things. I think when all is said and done, we, we might go back to that moment. The sad part is when you were kind of building up to that, and you said the the one area that, or the the one moment that led to basically his dismissal, or, or maybe the most doubt in Jim Mercy's mind. Honestly, I was thinking of three different times. So I'm like, oh, was it the Steelers game with clock management on a on a national stage? Was it the 33 nothing uh, blown lead and making history on a national stage? Was kicking it, a field uh, goal from the five yard line oh in New York? One. <laughs> was it the <laughs> lifeless performance against the Chargers uh, on Monday Night Football? Like. That's the again. We've talked about this and hammered home on the. We've had probably ten different pods, George. We could at least identify a brand new reason why Jeff Saturday should not be hired. Changing so his mind on fourth down when the crowd booed. Yes. Losing just flat out losing to the Texans in a game that maybe Lovey Smith was trying to win, but I tell you that the Texans front office is not trying to win whatsoever. It's just like he has done it over and over and over again, and still we are here where it's like oh, I can't rule out him get you know Jeff Saturday getting hired and so still can't yes. rule it out no but at least I you know I me mean? I'm an optimist I'm gonna take this I'm gonna take the joy of at least trending in the right direction when nothing's official and it's it's again I'm not trying to put the cart before the horse it seems like finally Jim Mercy is waking up and maybe realizing I can't hire this guy even if it's I hate to say because this is still really not the best process but I guess you get to the right answer so it doesn't matter even if it's just strictly public perception of, I don't want the fans mad at me. This is a bad year. If I hire him, they're probably going to be upset. For, even if he doesn't look at football reasons, which there are plenty of reasons why he should not be hired, even if it's just perception, nationally, locally, whatever it takes, fine. But my goodness gracious, the fact that this is hopefully seeming to come to fruition, George, it's, again, it's, it's great news, and it's kind of sad how happy I am, the fact that you have to kind of say that because it should be obvious and assumed, but yet again, that's that's not the case with this team with this owner. But either way, great news, great news. Yeah, yeah, and we'll see how it plays out. I mean, that that's how it would always happens here. Like you said, um, you know, most of his his tenure here, Jim Mercy has been a fan, and so you know, these candidates could come in and interview, and he could change his mind. There's there's no doubt about it. Or there could just be hopeful people saying that right now, coming out of the building. Uh, but it is at at the very least, it's the first time we've kind of seen thaw in the ice there. So um, definitely something to to hold on to as, as we enter into this offseason that, as we've said before, going to be hugely important for this franchise for the next five years. Hallelujah and amen to that, George. All right, that'll do it for this edition of the Blue Horseshoe Pod. Make sure, again, you're downloading, subscribing, wherever you get your podcast. Because even though today we started talking about some candidates, like George and I mentioned, this is going to be growing. We're going to get to second interviews. We're going to, you know, start hearing more rumors about who is who is interested, who is not. 
maybe we'll get more teams added to the mix as well. Looking for a head coach, depending on how wild card weekend goes. So it's going to be a very busy time on the Blue Horseshoe Pod. No better time to download and subscribe right now uh, or then right now for sure because it's going to be a very busy week. So we will be back next week with, I'm sure, plenty of content to react to from Wild Card Weekend, how those games impact the Colts. Obviously, the division rival and the Jaguars are going head-to-head, and that could be a very interesting game, not just for Jackson, but also maybe the arrival of Trevor Lawrence, which not great for the Colts. Uh, that's for sure if Trevor Lawrence finds himself and now is a, a, a viable playoff quarterback. So we will enjoy the games. It's going to be a lot of fun here, and we'll be back next week on the Blue Horseshoe Podcast.